Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. When you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, it is so much more than just receiving a ticket to heaven from Jesus that saves you from the, the fires of hell. Um, and it's also so much more than just a bit of behavior modification, becoming just a little bit of a better person. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you follow Jesus, what actually happens is that the Holy Spirit works in your life and He is continuously transforming you, making you more and more into the likeness and the image of Jesus. You see, you were in Genesis 1, it tells us that you were created in the image of God. And now that you are restored in Christ, it is actually the image of God that has been restored in you. And now as a follower of Jesus, God is busy making you more and more into that designed purpose, into that image that He has created you to be. Uh, in this series, uh, Metamorphosis, uh, we have been speaking about the process of change in our lives as Christians. How does this process work? How does God change us from one degree of glory to another into His image? Now, the picture that we've been using in this series is the picture of an artist that is working on a block of marble or block of stone, working with a hammer and a chisel. And how it usually works for artists like that is that they take away everything in that block of marble that does not belong there, so that in the end, the only thing that is left is this beautiful statue. Now, in the same way in your life, God is busy working with a hammer and a chisel and He is taking certain things out of your life so that what is left is, is God, is the, the image of God, is the likeness of Christ in your life. So the Holy Spirit keeps on working on us, making us more and more like Him as we release or allow Him to do that and we let go of certain things in our lives. But the question is, how does this happen? Or how do I play a part in this? Now, we've been focusing on this, that it's not a work that we do. It is a work that we allow God to come and do in our lives. But there are certain tools that God uses to do this. Uh, and one of the tools that God really uses to change us is the fellowship of believers. It is, it's church. It's the community uh, of fellow disciples of Jesus God uses other people as the chisel in His hand to transform us from one degree of glory to another, to make us more like Christ. He uses the other people in church. Uh, Cole Barth actually explains that there are three ways that God speaks to us. Firstly, He speaks through His Holy Spirit, and then He speaks to us through His Bible, and then He also speaks to us through church, through other believers, as God reveals Himself to them himself to them, uh, you also get a revelation as we are in fellowship with other believers. Now, it's the same way when it comes to our sanctification process. God changes us. He transforms us. He metamorphosizes us, if there is a word like that. He changes us by His Holy Spirit. He does it through the word that we read as we are confronted with His truth. It changes us. And He also does it through His church. Now, I want to speak about that today as we trust God for a shift in our hearts, a shift from one to one another. And what we mean by that is that so oftentimes we want to fix ourselves. We want to work on the things that we know should not be there. You know, sometimes it's pretty clear for us. We know what things in our lives do not belong there as a follower of Jesus. The problem, however, is that we try and fix ourselves. 
but rather we should allow the artist to come and do his work. And so instead of just being yourself or one, we want to shift to one another, that we allow the fellow believers, other Christians around us, to be a chisel and a hammer, to be the tools in God's hands to transform us and make us more and more like Christ. Now, there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. And then I want to just tell you a bit about my story, about how I have seen how other people, some of my good friends, have been tools in the hands of God to change me. Now, I'm not calling my friends tools, but they are certainly tools in the hands of God. Well, some of them are tools, but no, not really. So Hebrews 3 verse 13 says the following. You must warn each other every day while it is still today that no one of you will be deceived by, by sin and hardened against God. You see, the Bible says that we should warn one another of being deceived by sin and as a result, our hearts being hardened toward God. You see, this is the way that sin works in our, in our lives. When we mess up, and usually we know, no one has to tell us when we do something wrong or something that's out of line with the character of God. Uh, when we sin, what usually happens is that we feel guilty. And the result of feeling guilty usually is shame. And when a person feels ashamed, they usually isolate themselves. We, we run away from other people. We run away from church and we run away from God. Uh, if a person feels ashamed in front of God, we, we distance ourselves from God. And that's one of the ways in which sin actually separates us from God. It's because of the guilt and the, and the shame that we get separated and our heart starts hardening uh, against God. And you see, God wants closeness with you. And that is why we as brothers and sisters need to warn one another against the deceitfulness of sin so that it does not harden our hearts or create distance between us and God. Now, I experienced this uh, when I was a young man, just after I started following God passionately. I remember my sister, she bought me my first study Bible and I really appreciate that. And then she also bought me two other books. The one book was called uh, Every Young Man's Battle. And then another book was called Sex is Not the Problem, Lust is. Now, both of these books basically was about the battle that young men have when it comes to sexual temptation. Now, I don't know if my sister thought that I just have such a big problem um, or whether it was just the fact that she knew that young men struggle with this and she does not want me to be like some of the other guys that she might have known at that stage. She wanted me to be godly um, in the way that I walk uh, in life. And so I read these books and uh, I told one of my friends, Theo, he was actually the guy that invited me to church. Um, and I told him about this book and, you know, this is really a relevant book because this is an issue that I struggle with and I don't want to, to struggle with lust so much. So much. And uh, I told him about it and he said, well, he's also struggling with this issue. Maybe we should tackle this together. And so we were reading, you know, some of what this book was saying uh, to us and we came up with a bit of a game plan. Now, the, the basic argument was this, that if you feed your sexual temptation, if you put yourself in places of sexual temptation, you are feeding your lust. And if you feed your eyes with, with uh, the wrong images, you are feeding your lust and you will never win that battle. And so together we geared up and we came up with a game plan. It was called to bounce your eyes. That, that was our game plan. Um, it was actually suggested from this book. And, and how it worked is whenever we saw 
a lady that was not dressed appropriately, a, a lady with a short skirt or, a, you know, a top that was maybe a bit too low, or whenever we saw a billboard, maybe with a swimsuit model on it or the front of a magazine cover, whatever the case might be, we would say the word bounce and then look the opposite direction. Now, I know this sounds very cheesy, but this was so effective for the both of us. I mean, we would literally walk around on campus and, and the 1st of September, spring day, that was a big you know, temptation because all the girls were wearing skirts. And then basically myself and Theo, we were walking around like this, bounce, 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 bounce. And uh, you know, there was, people thought we were weird. But that's cool because we were not feeding our eyes with the wrong images. We were bouncing our eyes. And this actually got engraved in me so deeply that today still I still have this habit when, when I see something that I know is a sexual temptation, my, my eyes want to jump away from that and I bounce my eyes. Except if it's my wife, I'm allowed to look at her, which is great. So, but through this, the reason I'm telling you this story is this, this was two people, myself and Theo, fighting this battle together. I tried on my own and I failed miserably. If you do this on your own, we need to shift from one to one another. If we do this together, we encourage one another, we warn one another, say, so don't look at this, don't look in this direction. It's in that with fellowship of believers that we can actually get victory over some of these sin. And in that story, or in this, uh, you know, this time of our lives, God used Theo as a chisel in my life to get rid of some of the things in my life that was not aligned with who God is and His nature and His character. Honoring ladies, not looking at them in a lustful way. In the same way, God was using me as a chisel in Theo's life also. James 5 verse 16 says the following, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now the first time I read this, I thought, well, this is if I've got a cold, then probably the reason for my cold is because of a sin that I committed and therefore I need to com uh, confess the sin and therefore after that, you know, I won't have the cold anymore. And maybe there's some truth to that, I don't know. But I think what the scripture is also trying to tell us is that in confessing our sins, there is healing because when we messed up, it's sort of like we walk around with this weight on our shoulders, this guilt that we walk around on our shoulders. And as soon as we bring that into the light, there is a release. The weight gets taken off. You know, the basic principle is this, is that whatever is in the dark, uh, it's, it's like mold uh, grows in the dark. The Bible actually says this in Proverbs 28 verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And so in Afrikaans we say, donker. A mold grows in the dark, but when we bring it into the light, there is a healing and there is safety when we bring things into the light and we confess to one another. Now, the thing about confession in the Christian faith is that I think for many of us, we are used to the idea of uh, confessing to God. So it's an upward confession, right? But we are not so used to confessing sideways, uh, confessing to one another our sins. And I think the Bible is very clear on this, that confession is not only upwards, it's also not only to those that, who you have wronged, but just bringing it into the light. There is liberty and there's freedom when we also confess sideways and not only upwards. I can tell you a story of this. Uh, I've got a few stories for you today. 
So I've got a very good friend, Joe, and some of you may know him because he's also leading a new church plant in Hatfield in Pretoria. Now, we've been in church, I think, together for maybe something like 13 years. Uh, both of us, we were in church already from the day when we were students or in our first years. Um, and uh, I remember very clearly back then is that both of us had a sense of full-time ministry or the calling of full-time ministry from the beginning. You know, from the beginning, Joe knew that he wants to preach. And the same thing with me. From the beginning, I knew that I want to preach. But you see, what happened is that because Joe is an excellent preacher, he started getting certain opportunities, maybe at, at youth camps or things like that. And I remember so clearly that, that I had this, this jealousy that was busy growing in my own heart. And so as a result, you know, if you're jealous of someone, you don't like them. You know, today I'm very good friends with Joe um, and we love each other dearly. And, but back then uh, there was this jealousy in my heart. And I remember the one day we were having a conversation after church and Joe looked me in the eyes and he said, listen, I feel like things are not right between us. It's as if it's a little bit awkward between, between the two of us. And in that moment, I knew this had nothing to do with him. This was all me. And so in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me enough courage to tell him, Joe, you know what the problem is? I'm jealous of you. And I started explaining to him, I'm jealous of the ministry opportunities that you have. And uh, this, was, this was like 13 years ago or whatever. And I'm so thankful for that engagement because in that moment when I confessed it, it was as if there was liberty. And so I told him, listen, I think I'm jealous of you. And I realized in that moment that this was an insecurity. And when I confessed this, there was healing in an area of insecurity in my own heart. You see, when you confess sin, there is healing for you. The reason why we confess sin is so that our hearts may be healed. For me, in that area or in that moment, it was confessing a jealousy. And then as I was doing that, an insecurity was being addressed by God. Now, just like that verse in Proverbs that I just read you it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. I think this is so important. This is the reason why in church we believe in something called accountability. It's to, to open up our lives to one another so that we can speak into each other's lives and uh, that we can encourage one another. Now, in church, I've seen this so oftentimes, uh, is that, that when we, we open up our lives, when we are accountable to one another, is that, that there not only is freedom in that, but there's also protection in that. Uh, so oftentimes I've heard maybe young guys come to me and tell me, you know, Abel, there's a girl that I like. And they tell me the story of the girl they like and what their game plan is. And then they allow me to give a bit of input into that area of their lives. And I usually see that there is safety in that. But when a person isolates themselves and they hide everything, that's usually when we mess up and there's usually lots of pain as a result. You see, the thing about accountability is in church, no one ever demands of you to be accountable to them because we are not a sect, right? And so, so no one will ever force you to be accountable when it comes to anything. But the point of accountability is that you get to be accountable with your life. You know, the responsibility is not on someone else to hold you accountable. It is your responsibility to be accountable, to be open with your life so that other people can also speak in to your life. Uh, for me, just about two years ago, I had this realization that when it comes to my finances, no one really what, knows what's going on in my finances. It's only myself and my wife. And I realized this is, this is dangerous. 
you know, if I want to honor God in that area of my life for the rest of my life, for the next 40 years, then I need to open that area up. And I remember having a conversation with Donnie. I didn't have the conversation with one of my friends because I also believe that, just a, just a side note, that you can't always just ask your friends to speak into your life because they, they love you, but they won't always be as honest with you as maybe someone that is a season or two seasons ahead of you in life. And also when you speak to a leader, usually uh, it's good to speak to a leader that you know you are not, they are not afraid of you. It should be the other way around. So I speak to Donnie and uh, open up my life to him in many areas. And I said, listen, when it comes to my finances, I want, I want you to be able to see in. And so I opened the whole story, tell him about everything happening in our lives and, and how we run my wife's business. And from time to time, I go to him. He doesn't necessarily call me. I go to him and tell him exactly what's happening in my life. I even started when it comes to my tithes. Now, I don't have any you know, uh, scripture for that to reference your tithes. But I made a special reference that no one else can see, but a reference that I told him about. And I told him, listen, this reference, this is my tithes. I want you to hold me accountable. And if you see I'm not tithing, I want you to call me in and ask me why, what's happening in my life. Why do I do this? It's because I want to live in the light. I want to honor God and I want the people around me to be the chisel and the hammer to help me uh, in this journey with God. I don't want to walk alone. I want fellow believers to walk with me. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says the following, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says, says the following, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I think it's so important that we have to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us and, and stir us up to, toward good deeds. Uh, I, I think of a story just in the past many years ago when I went on an outreach. Just, just after I got married, I went on a Zimbabwe outreach and uh, I was spending lots of time on this outreach with my good friend, Tim. He was leading the outreach uh, uh, that year. And I remember this one, uh, we were waiting for an appointment. And while we were waiting for, to see this person, myself and him, we were speaking just about some smart business ideas, right? So we were speaking about the idea of, you know, you know how, how to make money. You know, this is a good business idea or that's a good business idea. And as we were speaking about money, somewhere in the conversation, the conversation turned toward generosity. And Tim started telling me a little bit about something that inspired him. He heard about a guy that said that he wants to give away 50% of everything he gets. But he knew that it's very difficult to do that, to all of a sudden just give away 50% of everything you get in each month. So he decided on a percentage and decided each year when, he, when it's his birthday, he's going to up the percentage by 1%. Because he'll get used to that each year. It's not going to be such a big shock on his system. And his aim was that one day when he's 50 or in his 50s, that he will reach 50% of everything he gets to give away. And uh, Tim told me this story and he says that encouraged him so much that he decided to start budgeting in a different way. So not only to give a tithe, but to budget an additional percentage to give away, just be generous with people around you, those that you love, even just be generous toward the poor, bless our city in, in some way. And as he told me that story about what him and his wife were busy doing, 
we're just friends walking together. He tells me what he's doing in his life. That encouraged me so much. It, 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 it stirred me so much. Like the Bible says, we, we spur one another on. We encourage one another. That happens sometimes when we are just in one another's presence and we do life together. It will start encouraging you. And as a result of that, I went back home after the, um, this outreach. I told my wife, about this idea that actually we just need to budget our giving, right? So I know we want to be generous, but we seem to never be generous. So let's just start budgeting. And we decided additional to a tithe, we're just going to budget 5%. That's it, just 5%. Later on, we started pushing that up to that it's a bigger percentage. But we started doing this all because I was in the fellowship of believers and some God was busy using someone like Tim to, to spur me on toward good works just like uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 10. So God puts people around us that is a chisel in our lives to, to take away certain things, but also to put good things uh, into our lives. Now, let me just be honest with you. If it were up to me, if I were walking by myself alone, I would have never even started tithing, let alone budget for or to be generous toward other people. There is no way, if it were up to me alone, that I would be able to deal with some of the insecurities that I've been able to, to deal with. If it were up to me, there is no way that I would have found victory over sexual temptation when I was a young man if I did not have a chisel next to me, someone like Theo, helping me to address that issue. Now the point is this, that the fellowship of believers, having church around you, if you allow it, if you become part of it. Now, I'm not speaking just about your best friends. Sometimes you have to be in the conversation with people that you don't like that much because God oftentimes uses them also. If we allow ourselves to be in church, in community, God starts using that to come and change who we are. It is one of the tools in the hands of God as He transforms us from one degree of glory into His likeness and into him his image now i want to invite you where you are even in this time of COVID, uh, maybe online church has been the only way that you've been connecting to church i want to encourage you to to move beyond that uh, you need to find creative ways to connect with church and to start doing life with fellow believers now online church is a wonderful blessing but we need to start moving beyond that so that we can get to a place where we do life together, not only with the people that you like, but also even those people that sometimes irritate you. God can use them in your life to make you more like Christ. If you want to be more like Jesus, you need the fellowship of believers. You can't do it by yourself. We need to shift from one to one another. Let's pray. Jesus, we give our hearts to you, God, and you say, we say that we want you to come and change us Make us more like you. And God, we thank you for all of the different ways that you do that. And thank you that we know that it's a work that you do in our lives. But oh God, we also want to give you permission to come and do that through other people in our lives. God, we want to open ourselves up that you would come and transform us through the body of believers that you have placed us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.